You are now tuned in from the desk of low. Brought to you by from the Dat Feeling Podcast Network. If you have a dream, go get it. Welcome back from the desk of low. I have with me a rising star. And he's also the founder, well, co-founder of Mewing Academy. So if you already know who that is, I have with me on the phone, Henny Lowe. Yo, yo, yo. Peace, peace. What up, man? All right, let's start this off right, sir. Happy New Year, sir. Most definitely. Happy New Year's. Now, um, for, before we jump into this interview, Henny Lowe, um, I'm curious, too. Did you grow up in Richmond, Virginia? You said that I grew up in Richmond, Virginia? Yeah, like, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised. Um, can you give a glimpse into growing up into Richmond, Virginia, as opposed to growing up in Canada? Because I'm, I'm all the way in Canada, so I couldn't imagine growing up in Richmond, Virginia. Um, uh, you know, I've never been to Canada, man, so I can't really compare it. But one thing I'll say is like this, man, like, when it comes to Richmond, you know what I'm saying, at least, you know, the way I see it, it's, uh, humble, hardworking, got their drama just like everywhere else. You know how they say if you can survive in New York, you can survive anywhere. I mean, people make it out of New York all the time, like my man Radio B said. Um, you making it from Richmond, that's like a... That shows that we got a lot of promise, you know what I'm saying? And and very few have made it from Richmond when it comes to, like, the, uh, the music industry and whatnot. But um, I would say that a lot of people have made strides in other areas that you wouldn't even know, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, Richmond is it, it, beautiful, but it was once dark. And it can, get, it can get dark, you know what I mean? But if we talk artistically, I think pound for pound, we can go at it with anybody. And that's not just Richmond. That's the whole Virginia, you know what I'm saying? And because um, you guys are actually putting Richmond on the map. Um, I think we're a part of the reason Richmond is being put on the map. I wouldn't necessarily say we're the sole reason. I, I appreciate it. That's like, you know, that's a, that's a humbling thing to say, but I can't say that we're the reason. We definitely have been a part of the forefront, though. Yeah, because, uh, well, well, from my perspective, the only people I know from Richmond is uh, Henny Lowe, Big Kahuna, and Fly Anakin. Okay, well, see, we got, that's, you know, where the perspective comes in at, like you said. You know what I mean? Before us, it was AGM, which is Nicholas F., Radio B., Michael Millions, name brand. Before them, it was Mad Skills, who's written on multi-platinum albums. You know what I'm saying? He's Richmond born and raised, you know what I mean? Like, we, that's why I say we have a lot of talent. Pound for pound, you know what I mean? It ain't really too many people that, that can really say they could really, really go ahead up with us. You dig what I'm saying? Like, I, I really take a lot of pride in Richmond, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's not just me. It's not just Music Academy. Like, the entire Richmond is crazy, you know what I mean? I never knew Mad Skills was from there. Yeah, Mad Skills is from Richmond. I actually just saw Mad Skills, like, a couple weeks ago. And then, um, I'm curious, too, uh, Henny Lowe, too, you've been recording since you were 11 or 12 in a professional recording studio. Uh, I've been recording since I was 11 or 12, but not actually in a professional studio. I've actually... Oh, so it is. I've actually been to several. Yeah, I've been to several recording studios, but um, the way I got into music was because of my two older brothers, you know what I'm saying, Great Scott and Murtaugh. Um, if you ever see their names, those are my actual blood brothers. My oldest brother is Murtaugh, and he would go to studios, or he would just bring me around because he knew I loved hip-hop just as much as him. And um, he didn't want me to be like a kid rapper. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, not that he didn't want me to rap, but he just didn't want me to get in a recording and try to be like a kid superstar or anything like that. Like so me, I was just real ambitious. I was real ambitious and uh, persistent. So I would, uh, I would just go. I just went and got my own microphone, my little USB mic or whatever have you, and I just started teaching myself how to do it. And like I said, I've been around so many different recording studios. Like I went to school for audio production, so I was in a full professional studio setup. You know what I mean? But I've always recorded my own work. Okay. So, and then as uh, going back to what you were saying, um, your brother didn't want you turning out to be like somebody like a Romeo or a little Bow Wow. Like he wanted you to have long, longevity in the game. It was more so one to have longevity and just to hone in on my skills because of the, the, the music that I was into, the stuff that he would put me on to and the stuff that I gravitated towards. That type of music takes time. Like you got to live life and you have to, have experiences in order to be able to be considered that dope or that ill because it's not just about saying the craziest thing that comes to your head. It's about being able to have people gravitate towards you for your experiences because they can relate to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, and I'm curious too because I like how you said like you have to your brother was trying to put you onto this music and you have to live life to before you're ready for all that too. Uh, coming up to your high school mm-hmm. years, you had the big guy part in high school. So you were like me, you had that loaded of everything, like the classic nineties hip hop, like everything from the nineties too. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what inspired you to do that at, in high school too, because like I said, you had the big guy part, but what made you really want to find like all the dope stuff like the, the shining held to stelka because like i know you're like me you probably went back and found mm-hmm. everything from the 90s well not necessarily like you know what i mean like i get i get what you're saying like you know what i mean like I, i'm i'm young i was born in 94 but i'm a 90s kid slash late 80s kid at heart because of my older brothers you know what i mean like the one i just told you about that put me on to music and things like that it wasn't that uh I went back and found this stuff. I was literally raised with it. You know what I mean? Like, so for example, <coughs> excuse me, my brother had a uh, had a record player, and I didn't have my own bedroom, so I would just sleep wherever I slept at. And if I fell asleep in my brother's room, my brother would play Common, Most Def, Erica Badu. You know what I mean? Just calm hip hop music, just you know the more conscious hip hop music, and I would fall asleep to that stuff. And it just kind of always caused me to have like a, a, a rhythmic vibe or whatever. I had. But, you know, I, I didn't have to go back and find anything. I was, I was in eighth grade. And I mean, if you ever speak to Anakin, he can attest to this. I had an iPod full of new music, old music, underground music. I had music from everywhere. Like I didn't have to go back and find anything unless I lost my library. But I mean, I, I grew up with that stuff. Because yeah, it's, it's not something you had to go back. It was always there in front of you. It just, like, it takes time for you to go back and actually listen to all those music, all those old albums. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, in a sense, I guess, you know, let me retract my statement. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely do find myself going back, not to discover, but to reabsorb some of the stuff. Like, you know, certain albums sound different the older you get because you go through those experiences. And the next thing you know, you say, oh, that's what this person was talking about. So, yeah, I guess you could say, in a way, I found myself going back. I like how you said that, too. As you get older, you understand more of it, too. Because I remember the first time I ever heard Only Built for Cuban Links. 
And then as I got older, I started experiencing some of the lingo, because I, cause I understand the woo lingo, and then you start understanding, like, what this person, it's like, whoa, it's like, and it doesn't really hit you until after, as you, like you said, you have to live life in order for you to get that music. Yeah. Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, like, exactly, and it's, it's, it's ironic you bring up Only Built for Cuban Links, because that was one of the albums that made me want to rap. But the album that made that just made me, and I remember this, because this album came out when I was like in kindergarten, going into first grade or something like that, uh, Supreme Clientele. Like, when that album came out, I was like, oh, like, I want to I wanna rap. I want to be able to say crazy stuff like that. I don't know what this dude is talking about, but I love this beat, and I love the way it sounds. I love his voice. Ghostface was just my favorite rapper from that point. And as I'm older, I understand it more now, but I just never forget how it made me feel the first time I heard it. From the skits to him talking in between verses to the fact that he just had no real structure or no industry structure. He had his own structure. Like to me, he just, he was just so different. You know what I'm saying? I, I wanted to be, if I didn't want to be Ghostface, I wanted to be just like Ghostface. You know what I mean? As a kid. Wow. I never knew that uh, Supreme uh, clientele made you want to rap. Yeah, I, I still remember the first day I heard it. Like, I don't remember what year it was or what I was wearing or anything that crazy or detailed. But, like, I remember hearing it and just thinking, like, yo, I want to rap. You know what I mean? As a kid. And my brother, like, you know, not laughing also. I'm like, y'all not taking me serious. But just him just, you know, taking pride in the fact that I was enjoying something so much. He knew that music would calm me down. Because I'm a young kid. You know what I mean? I'm going to be wild. I'm going to get into things. I'm a boy. So I'm a little bit, I'm destructive. But he just knew music would be the only thing that could calm me down and to make me focus. So he just always encouraged it. Um, I'm curious, too, uh, when you first started to play around with rap, too, um, was Henny Lowe your first name? Because I understand there's a meaning behind Henny between French and Dutch, but mm -hmm. was Henny Lowe always your name, sir? Nah, it wasn't. Uh, my first rap name, it was typical. It was Beast. And then it graduated to the real name, Henry McCoy. But just, you know, through the knowledge and just, you know what I mean, seeing how things went with Marvel and hip-hop, because they went through so many uh, different uh, ties of the turn or whatever you want to call it, I just knew that I either A, wasn't going to be able to keep the name, or I was going to get sued for trying to use the name. So um, I just played around with a few names, and Henny came across my brain. I looked it up, and that's how I came across what the uh, what the name actually meant. To you know, because it's a it's a name that is that you can use for a male and a female. It's referred to as a leader, and the L O is the acronym that I just came up with. I didn't just want to be called Henny. I wanted the name to be you know. I wanted it to sound cool. I didn't want it to sound ignorant, even on the surface level. That's why I always tell people like, hey, it's not any low unless you got the periods there, because it means something to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I notice artists are very particular in the way they stylize their names, so it has to have the periods in between low. Yeah, and I don't take it as disrespect. Like, I'm not as insecure about it as I used to be, but I definitely, like, throw it out there. Like, yeah, that's why even in, like, my Instagram name, um, it's Henny L. Dot, so people will know that that's a period, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, too, because... Back in 2007, that's when you met Fly Anakin, too. You guys bonded over PSP and iPods, from, if I understood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did the knowledge, most definitely. 
Um, I'm curious too because you you um, had the iPod and you had and he had the PSP too. What um, made you guys get so close? Besides that too, because like um, you guys are you guys started something that's making waves right now. But I'm curious, like on the humble beginnings of that. Um, Anakin and I when we first linked up, you know what I mean. Like we knew each other, we acknowledged each other, but just like any kid. Uh, Anakin was new to my school, so when I first seen him, I didn't think anything of it, and then I looked at the people that he was around, and the people that he was around when he first came to the school, obviously, because he didn't know anybody, he just clicked with whoever seemed to resonate. Yeah. Um, I didn't really rock, I didn't really rock with them too tough, not off some beef, we just didn't hang, and to me, like, you know how you got people that's like, oh, this is cool, or oh, this is cool, to me, the people that he was hanging around, they were kind of lame, they were obnoxious, and I was just like, oh, he's one of them. So me and Anakin already didn't click off of that. And then for me, he thought that, um, and he still says it to this day, because I, I am. He says I talk. Um, so the thing that made us cool was the experience that you just brought up. The fact that one day he came to school and had a PSP, and I came to school and I had my iPod, and this, like, we were in the same math class, and we had a teacher that was just super cool. Uh, shout out to Miss Terry. Um, she, as long as we did our work, and as long as we were doing well in the class, yeah, you could bring that stuff to school. Just don't get caught with it, because she's not vouching for you. So, um, I had an iPod, and I had, I had the classic joint, the click wheel joint. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the big one with, the, like, 250 gigs on that. Yeah, yeah. So I had one of those. And I want to say I had like a 64. This was when like 64 gigabytes was expensive. Or matter of fact, no, I'm lying. I had an 80 gig. And, you know, this is how you know like it was expensive back then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 80 gig um, was had, a lot back then. <laughs> I had, exactly. So I had like a, like entire discographies on my iPod. I had entire movie series on my iPod because this was also before everything started um, going over to WAV files and big MP4 files and stuff like that. So I just had like a whole, I had an entire library in my pocket. And he had a PSP that he brought to school and he would play games on it, but he also had like a lot of music on his PSP. And I had a PSP sitting at home that was pretty much collecting dust because I didn't have a big memory card. So he showed me how to find a cheap memory card and how to put the music in other movies and games on it. And one day we traded and he was like, yo, you got like a lot of stuff that my brother listens to. And I'm like, yeah, cause I got an older brother. And we just started talking one day and come to find out we had more like than uh, what we actually realized. And we just started being like super cool. So like before I knew that Anakin had a way, um, had a, a notion to feel like he wanted to rap or whatever have you. I um, was just cool with him. That that was just always my friend. Like you know what I'm saying. Like, like I can legit say like, dude is like like my best friend. Like we started off as just like super cool friends. We bumped heads like any other friends. We fell out like any other friends, and he came around. And now it's to the point to where like you can't tell me that that's not my brother. Like blood doesn't matter in this in this relationship. Like like even if he and I were to bump heads, nobody could jump into that. Nobody could say anything about that. That's like that's how close we are. And when did you two first um, start doing music together? Too. Um, I was 
already doing music. Like I said, I just always wanted to do it. So when I got to middle school, I started teaching myself how to record. And I don't even know if, because, you know what I mean, this is like, you know, I, I don't mean any offense today. I just don't know what, what it's like in Canada because I've never been there. So I don't know what social media platforms y'all may have used. But at the time for Next us, Opia, you know what I mean? It. Okay, got you. So I don't even know what that is. So for us, it was like, you could have a MySpace page, but you had to lie about your age. And it wasn't a whole bunch of people that was lying about the age because you would get verified through your email address. And if you didn't lie about your age on that, it was just too much. So what we had in middle school was a joint called Bebo. And on Bebo, yeah, so Bebo is something that I already had. He didn't have one or he may have had one and deleted it. And then we went to different high schools. So over the summer, through our transition, getting ready for high school, he hit me up. was like, yo, it's, uh, and he gave me his real name. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, it's me, bro. What's good? And I'm like, yo, come through. Like, let's link up. I ain't seen you in a minute. Because at this time, we also didn't have, like, phones. Or we had phones, but we barely used them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I was still, like, I was raised by parents. So I was like, nah, take your ass outside. You know what I mean? Yeah, same so, here. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, you know, and it was like, go outside, but you better be home before the street lights is off or whatever. And um, next thing I know, you know what I mean, he hit me up and I said, yo, like, come to the house, man. I'll talk to my mom. You come to the house, whatever, whatever. And he came to my house like the next weekend after he hit me up on Bebo. And he asked me if I was still doing music. I said, hell yeah. And I just played him what I had been working on. And, I, you know, I was getting better. And he was like, yo, you know, I, I used to do it. But I just stopped, I fell back from it or whatever have you. And I was like, oh, all right, like, that's what's up. Like, I'm just like that type of person. Like, if I do music and you do music and you're my friend, yo, let me hear something. And he would, he was playing me, like, music that he had been listening to. And he had, like, you know, a couple of rhymes or whatever have you. And he was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get back into it. So I said, cool. And I was like, well, let's see if we can link back up next week. Because he was only there for, like, the day. He didn't, like, spend a night or anything like that. And he came back the next weekend, and he came back with a beat CD. At this time, we weren't getting our own beats. Like, we in, like, middle school. So he came back with a beat CD, and we just was writing, recording, writing, and recording. And now we are to where we are now, to where we built the whole team around that. Just, you know, recording at my mama's house. But it's funny how something, like, bonding over something so little as a PSP or an iPod can lead to something like this. Yeah, most definitely. I definitely say, like, my my generation, we had the best of both worlds if we were close with, like, our older siblings. Yeah, that's fast. Because we got to be of the technology age, but we also just got to understand a different sense of perspective, you know what I mean? Yeah, because, like, imagine if you guys didn't have iPods and all, like, like classic 90s stuff that was out in 2007 that y'all resonated over. Yep. Um, also, too, exactly. because uh, you and Anakin were the original members, too. Um, was there a different name before mm-hmm. Music Academy? Uh, yeah, it was Out of the Ordinary. And you guys obviously didn't like the way that sounded. Um, I don't even think it was that. Um, like I said, Anakin has always been like a brother to me. We had like a small falling out where we didn't talk for like a year. Um, and it was around the time where we had first, like, bump heads and fell out. Um, 
and his mom had just passed and you know it like stuff like that you know what i'm saying it'll it'll make you stronger and with us being a part for that year and some change or however long it was he um he had became more of a better person i became more of a better person obviously because you know we're going through high school at this point so we're going through different transitions so I think it wasn't. It was less about the fact that the name didn't sound cool because I still think that what we were doing with it was dope. Like just in terms of OTO and how we were doing a logo. Like Anakin designed both logos, the Out of the Ordinary and the Mutant Academy logo. I think it was dope. I think we just grew up. You know what I'm saying? And um, oh, we were growing up. So we were just like, yo. Um, my name was Henry McCoy at the time. His name was Nathan Hale. I was like, yo, these dudes are mutants. Let's be Mutant Academy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's, I think that's doper and we can create an entire concept around it. And he was like, cool, I'm with it. And I was like, yo, the way we can explain it is going back to Wu-Tang. It's like, they say Wu is the, the sound that a sword makes and Tang is the slang. So for us, the mutant is not necessarily like you got superpowers, but you're just a unique individual in the academy. It represents the school, which is your life, because you go through life learning. So we just went with that whole concept, and it's just been a thing ever since. It just makes the most sense. And that concept is crazy, just the way that how you explained that to me. Why? And I made, that's why I gravitated to you guys' music, too. Actually, the first person who I ever found of Mutant Academy was uh, Big Kahuna OG. Mm-hmm. Um, but from my understanding... Yeah, shout out to him. I was just with him today. We were all just together today. Oh, yeah, definitely seen y'all in the studio, too. Um, well, I like how you said you all were, you were with him, Sid, too. Um, from my understanding, you brought Sid into the group, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering... Sid and I went to college together. Oh, okay. Um, I was, I was curious, too, if you can shed on a few light on a couple of people you brought into the group, too, because you guys have a couple of talented producers at your arsenal yeah yeah definitely um as far as producers that i brought into the group sid was definitely one of them well actually because we were together kind of go ahead i'm sorry oh actually um before we get into that too um because uh, i kind of backtracked mm -hmm. um what made you and anakin decide to like start adding other people to the group sorry uh, I think just natural relationship building. People just were always around, you know what I mean? Like, we were collabing with people, working with people. Um, mainly the producers, we were, you know, we were working with these dudes. It became a relationship beyond spending money with these people. Like, um, to my knowledge, from what I remember, uh, and Soulmonk, you know what I'm saying, he's not a Mutant Academy member, but he'll just always be somebody who I disrespect and appreciate because him and Ewan were the first producers that I spent, like, my hard-earned money on. I'm talking about, like, my first couple of paychecks from my first job. I brought batches of beats from these dudes, you know what I'm saying? And I had relationships like that with uh, E1. I had a relationship like that with Soul Monk, um, Foise, Twami, all of these dudes. It would either come from a working relationship and just spending money, or it would come from just, you know, admiration a lot of these dudes we didn't realize like they had already been paying attention to us it's just that we just so happened to reach out to them first or they just so happened to be checking their inbox that day and like oh shit anakin hit me up oh shit any low hit me up oh shit kahuna hit me up like it's always also like yo i i didn't think you were responding to me like that's how a lot of our relationships got built 
So it's kind of like out of the ordinary, too. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's weird how it, how it works like that. You know what I mean? When you're in your bubble and, you know, you, you work and doing your thing and you want to work with somebody and they want to work with you too, but you just don't know exactly how to approach it. Like, we were just talking about that recently with um, Uncle John from D.C. Like, that's like a brother to us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not Mutant Academy, but he's like a brother to us. Yeah, because um, him, Fly Anakin, and Al Davino have a bait and a track together, too. And, like, the way it's like what you all said, too, you guys have chemistry together. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you if you good peoples and you can vibe, that's, you know what I mean, the main thing that we worry about. You being a dope MC is just icing on the cake, really. Because we could be cool with anybody. And uh, Yeah, because, like, there's a lot of weirdos out there, too. There's definitely a lot of weirdos out yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. The internet exposes a lot of that, but it also makes it normal too. So you know. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and then also too, what what made you want to bring Sid into the group too? Um, for the, I mean, the same reason in a nutshell. Like I just told you, like Sid and I went to college together. You know what I'm saying? We like we're literally seeing each other three times out of the week because we went to a technical school, so it wasn't like you went Monday through Friday. You would go on a Monday and on a Wednesday and maybe a Thursday, but you would be there the entire day because the classes were like two or three hours long and you would have like bridges and gaps where you weren't in class. So you could go and work on some schoolwork. You can go and work on a project. You can go and go get food. You could go take a nap. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we would just always be cool. And um, one day he was like, yo, I'm working on like one of my projects, like for my final grade. And I need a, I need an artist, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, cool, like, yeah, I'll come through. I've been looking to record anyway. And I came through and I did that. And he was like, yo, like, if you need some beats, like, hit me up. And he sent me some beats and I sat on them for a while. Um, I wasn't really feeling them too much, but he, and I also was going through some personal things. And he was just like, yo, what's good? He just kept checking back in with me. And I was like, all right, bro, I'm going to come through there. I needed to get some, uh, I needed to get some, some creative work done myself just to get back into my group because I was going through some things and I recorded to it and he was like, yo, I got some more for you. And next thing I know, we just started kicking it because he had been in the school before me. You know what I mean? Like I came, when I went to college, Sid had already been there for like two years or something like that. You know what I mean? I, I went to that school late. I went to, um, I went to community college first, you know what I mean? And, and I, I was, I was like trying to branch my way out into DC. So I was already in like the Northern Virginia area and I met him in DC, which is where Sid is from. And we were just working together so much that we started working on my album Vibrations. And in the midst of that, I was just like, yo, like, I was just telling Anakin, like, yo, I, I gotta like bring dude in because we were already expanding the group to what it was. And everybody had their relationships with individual producers that eventually I gravitated towards or they gravitated towards me. Sid was one of them dudes for them. You know what I mean? And I was just like, yeah, yo, like, I, 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 this dude is crazy. And he's getting better every time. Like, Sid is one of those dudes to where, like, where you think, like, all right, he's found his sound. He's, he's just perfected it. Like, he just does something different. Like, that's how good he is. And I noticed, too, how each member brings something unique to the table too um you're actually a battle rapper too yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i'm an all-around artist bro like i don't 
I don't just battle. I don't just do music. Like, like I said, I was raised by a certain kind of, uh, I was a certain kind of dude as far as like how I was brought up. Like, if you rap, a part of rapping was ciphering, battling. I didn't break dance. I didn't do graffiti or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? I just, you know, I, I was too cool for school for shit like that, but I always appreciated it. You know what I mean? So as far as battle rap, it was just something that was dope. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wasn't trying to go to school and be a, a, a big basketball or football player. Like, all of that was fun, but my passion and my competitive spirit was driven by music. So I just cipher. And when it came to the new style of battle rapping, there was a scene in Richmond, and it was bubbling. And I was cool with, like I said, Radio B. And he, he invited me to it, and I took it. And I was always challenged. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just stuck with it. I actually got a battle on the 31st. Yeah, I seen I seen that you're currently active too in the battle scene too, and that's it mm -hmm. takes talent too because to do battle rap and make music too because on some of your vibration songs like the tracks like well my come a couple of my favorites are Let Me Be, Bitches Talking, Creative, Love Is Love, and Glorious. Um, you make dope music. So what when you're battling too, do people like? go back and we quote some of your bars when you're battling them or you, that never happened in a battle it hasn't happened yet but I wouldn't be surprised if it did I always uh, I always try to prepare for that just in case if that happens too and like I'm curious too you're Proud, your, your proudest battle that you've done to date like do you want like yo I smoked that all three rounds um my, the battle that I'm the most proud of, I would probably have to say my last one versus my bro Trillnick because I was battling somebody who's a friend to me. Like, I've legit got, like, since I've got into battle rap, I just got cool with him and we clicked. Like, he comes around Anakin, he comes around us. Like, that's really my man. And we, the entire roster of Southpaw Battle Coalition, we all battled each other over the summer for one round. And um, Trillnick and I were so cool, but we were always just like, yo, it would be so fun if we battled. And we did it, and we didn't get personal or expose anybody's personal business, but we just really went in there like pound for pound. And the fact that we both were able to be like, yo, I know this is my brother, but like at the end of the day, like I, I, I'm the best at what I do, and I'm going to display that. And we just went in and we did that. So I would say that's probably my most proud battle that's out on camera. As far as like material and uh, and and something that 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 I've got, it's gonna be this one coming up on the thirty first. This is like my best material that I've written, and it's gonna be like that every time I have a battle because I always strive to write my best material. I'm curious too. Have but you? I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh right, no, go ahead, sir. Sir, I just cut out for a second. Oh, no, I was saying, like, this is, like, going to be, like, my best material, but I always strive to do that. That's the thing about battle rap. It's a, it's like boxing. It's mental, and it turns physical. So it, it's one of those things to where, like, I have to do better than my last battle. Otherwise, I've kind of wasted my time. Because it takes a lot of time to prepare for something like that. Like, like, people think it's just, oh, just get up there and spit bars. Like, no, you have to get up there. You have to perform. You have to try to see if you can rebuttal you have to have crowd control that's what being an MC is and people have gotten away from the fact that an MC is a master of ceremonies meaning you can get up there and be very entertaining and not be the most lyrical 
but if, but me, I try to do a little bit of everything. I'm gonna be lyrical. I'm gonna punch, uh, like do punchlines. I'm gonna have metaphors. I'm gonna have schemes. I'm gonna have uh, segments where I just talk and I just speak to the crowd and try to sway the crowd with me and things like that. You know what I mean? It's a big, it's a big, big strategy thing. So that's why I say what I'm sitting on right now is my proudest work. As far as what's been put out there is my last battle. That's probably the thing I'm the most proud of. I honestly wouldn't have been mad had me and Trail Nick went three rounds, but you know, it, it, we 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 uh we did accordingly. And well, I'm curious too. Um, everyone keeps saying that this is like a a muted academy album, but on the when I found it, it was credited as a Fly Anakin and Concept Jackson album, Chapel Drive. Would you consider that mm-hmm. um, a Muted Academy album, sir? Um, yes and no, because the true intentions was for Concept and uh, Fly Anakin to um, just get in and do an album. Everybody else, like I said, bro, like if we weren't around each other we were either getting up or seeing each other through shows or traveling or just you know i mean emailing back and forth you know what i'm saying at the time when chapel drive was going down i was living in uh, northern virginia going to school in dc but i was coming home two or three times out of a month especially when i got my car so um it was just you know coming around like i didn't even know that everything that i was recording as far as features and stuff like that was for that project. Like, brothers was just hitting me up and saying, yo, get on this. Or I would come through and I'd be like, what y'all doing? And they'll be working on something and I'll ask if I could get on it. And it, and it just worked that way. So um, I would say, yeah, it's a Mutant Academy album because everybody was involved. But it was not a Mutant Academy album because a, a, a real Mutant Academy album, um, not to discredit Chapel Drive, but the real Mutant Academy album is going to come with all the fellas coming together like Voltron and, and being in a setting over a period of time and, and really cranking it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, when that album come out, that's going to be crazy, too, because, like, you guys are already making waves now. Imagine, like, when, like, everyone comes together for that album. Right, right. And we always work together. For the most part, you know what I mean? We don't really branch out of ourselves because, I mean, it's so many of us. It's like, it's almost like it's a grocery store. Like, you got everything here. You know what I'm saying? Well, I like how you said that, too. You Like, you don't have to branch out, too. Like, even with the emergency raps, too. Like, I notice on each volume, it's featuring a different member from the Mutant Academy. Mm-hmm. Like, and, I mean, we we would branch out, but it would be branched out with people that we had relationships with. Like, Monday Night, Uncle John, Al Davino, uh, Luke's, Luke's brother, Mars. He wasn't on his emergency raps, I don't believe, but he'll work with his brother. Like, we... We have a tight-knit circle, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if you're not Mutant Academy, if you're around us, it's because you're really around us. You're not just, you're not just coming around and just so happen to, to pass, like, like we cross paths or whatever. Like, the people that we're around is either, like, real life family or Mutant Academy members, which is our family, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, a lot of things, too, I noticed that <clears throat> rich men sticks together, too. Um, it's actually a podcast mm-hmm. on how I find some of my information. I actually became a fan of that podcast after I listened to a couple of episodes. Um, how'd you guys get down with Mike Beasley? Um, Mike Beasley, I met, I can't speak for everybody, but if I remember correctly, I remember meeting Beasley through our manager, Cam. 
um, who runs Means, you know what I'm saying? Shouts out to uh, Cam. I, if I remember correctly, I met Beasley through him. I think he came to a show, or I think he had he was just around while we were kicking it. And bro's just always been there and been supporting, you know what I'm saying? Like, Beasley's just like a cool-ass, funny-ass dude, you know? But it's almost like, Beasley is like, a, he's like the dude that you're never going to not have a good time around him, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's with all of the, he's with all of the bullshit. And, like, it, it's funny. He's very entertaining. It's almost like being with Tracy Morgan or some shit. I like how you said that, too, because just the vibe he gives off, like, when he's interviewing, like, you or Anakin, too. It just, like, he can stray away from topics, but it still make you enjoy the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just good energy. Well, it's all about energy that you put into the universe, too. And <laughs> I'm curious, Henning Low, mm-hmm. uh, what's the most, like, craziest shit you ever seen at one of your shows? The craziest thing I've seen at one of my shows? Yeah. Like, you see a chick, like, giving head to everybody or, like, somebody, like, smoke crack in the audience. Or something <laughs> <like that. laughs> um, all right. So, we were opening up for um, Nicholas F. And I'm actually surprised you've never heard of Nicholas F, by the way. He's worked with Drake, bro. This is what I mean by Richmond is great. Nicholas F was working with Drake before Drake became Drake. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, okay. well, no, I, I'm i going to keep it a buck, sir. I've never heard of Nicholas Drake. No, Nicholas F. was working with Drake before oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Drake Nicholas F. Drake. Um, I wonder if he did that Replacement Girl song, because that's the only time I ever heard of Drake before he got famous. I don't know. I don't know. As far as, like, you know what I mean, the rumors surrounding... Drake having ghostwriters, people have tried to say Nick has wrote for Drake and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. And even if I did, that's not for me to speak about. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. But um, I say, just getting back to the uh, question, um, the craziest thing I've seen at a show that I can remember, and it was recent, we were opening up for Nicholas F. And this other artist, Lil Ugly Man, who's also like a big deal in Richmond because he very rarely does shows. And he's like the MF Doom of Richmond. Like, you barely ever see him for the longest. Nobody knew what he looked like. We just didn't know. So we opened it up for these dudes. And Nick gets on stage, and Nick just has an energy to where he can be super lyrical. He can do modern-type hip-hop music, if that's what you want to call it. He can do everything. He's, like, literally, like, a chameleon. So I say all that to say he's doing one of his songs that's a little bit more energy-based and a little more vibe-based. I look in the crowd. It's one dude... He has glasses on. One of the legs of his glasses is missing. He's <laughs> blinking real hard. He's blinking real hard. And I noticed that everybody around him was like dusting themselves off because they were just in a mosh pit. This dude got the shit beat out of him. Like, face bloody. He's sweating. He's blinking so hard because he's trying to get sweat and blood out of his eye. And he looked like he was about to pass out. And then that same night, I look and I see a girl that's like dancing in front of a dude on a little barricade and she looks like she's about to pass out and the dude behind her is like like not like like in a sexual manner but like if you being like in a, in a if you're trying to be funny like it looked like he was dry humping her but it was that packed in there you know what i'm saying like it, it was just crazy there yo like my that was probably like it was probably the craziest and one of the funniest things i've ever seen like as far as performing um I'm curious too. Um, when you guys are performing too, like 
have you guys ever, like, did somebody ever try to jip you guys out of money and you guys had to be like, listen, like, we just performed here. We're not leaving here without the money. Um, as a group, no. Individually, yes. Oh, really? I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing's ever happened when, when we're together as a group because, I mean, we come deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're always, we're, we're always packed. And we're not, like, super tough guys. Like, we're, we're harmless. We're chilling. But um, nobody's ever did anything with us. Because, I mean, if you got one person that's handling money versus five or six dudes out of a 10 to 11-man crew with a city behind them that supports them, that wants to see them out. Like, no, nah, like, you're not going to really try your hand with something like that. But there's been occasions where individually, myself or Anakin, have been out of town, done a show, and somebody has tried to be like, oh, no, nah, like, we never agreed on this. We never did this. It's not in writing, so I don't have to pay you. And it's, you know, it's it's been handled accordingly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nobody nobody got hurt, but it's been handled. And, like, and that's the thing, too. Like, you guys, like, that's what I mean. Like, how you guys don't act to be super tough guys. Like, you guys are just being yourselves, too. How important is it to remain yeah. true to yourself, too? Because I always tell people... Just because you go through something doesn't mean you have to change who you are mentally. Just always remain true to yourself. Um, for me, it's very important because it falls into morals and integrity. Um, I think, like, you know, like I made a comment earlier why I said the Internet is very weird, but it's also normalized a lot of things. Like, people get passes for a lot of things today, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was raised um, to not be in the streets, but the streets exist. So me being a person that didn't have to sell drugs because my mom, you know, tried her best to keep a job and she always did keep a job. Uh, my mom tried her best to raise me and my brothers, even after my dad passing and just being a supportive mom and stuff like that. But I say I like to say the street still existed. I saw things. I've done things. I've seen things being done to other people and stuff like that to where it's like I come from mind your business if you're not involved. So for me, that's big. If something happens, shut your mouth. If you see something, mind your business, keep it moving. You weren't there, whatever have you. So I come from that. The internet, because people like to have the shock value, people like to have drama, people like to have a story in the background, people like to know everything because it's becoming fast food mentally. None of that seems to matter, you know what I'm saying? Like, And, and I'm not sitting here saying, like, yo, we got to play by street rules. We got to do this, that, and the third. Because at the end of the day, the street's still going to be there after you die. But it's just certain things that... It's certain things that we just got to know, understand, and respect. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, not to discredit anybody else, but especially as a minority. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a black man, it's it's very, very difficult just being born black. So when it comes down to certain morals and values and things like that, people hold that dear, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you're somebody like me or like Anakin or like Kahuna who may have a friend or a family member that's either been lost in a system, lost in the streets or whatever have you. Like, we got, like, how they, like, people think it's cool when they hear somebody say, yeah, I know somebody doing football numbers. That's not something that's being bragged about, bro. Like, that's reality. Yeah. Like, I, the only way I could talk to yeah, the only way, like, people can talk to certain people is over a phone or through mail, you know what I'm saying, or something like that. Like, of course, like, the system is, is updated, so they got the little tablets or whatever now, but, like, 
got I got a homie, you know what I'm saying, that that I met before I met Anakin. We all went to school together. That got killed a couple months back. You see what I'm saying? He's my age. You feel me? I think I may be older than him by a couple of months. If that, like, he got killed. So, like, I say, I, I say all of that to say that when it comes to staying true to yourself, to me, it's extremely important. You know what I'm saying? It's extremely important. Some people want to get into this to make money, and nothing's nothing's wrong with that. Like, do your thing. Like, I, like one of my favorite rappers that's not super duper lyrical. They're a niche rapper. Is Future. You know what I'm saying? I love Future, but just because, you know what I'm saying, he's more so coming from a lane of it's a little bit more turn up, it's a little bit more electric, it's for this time, doesn't mean he's not staying true, true to himself either. It's just he found a different way to do it. I'm just more of a lyric-based MC. My words are what's going to be important to me first. My words and the beat that I choose because the beat is what's going to motivate the word. So, I mean, not just in music, but just overall in life. Like, you got to... To me, you have to stay true to yourself because that's how you lose yourself and you, you know, you go crazy. I like how, I like how you're very well aware of that too, because like you could have easily got wrapped up in something, just trying to find your calling. But like music was your calling your entire mm-hmm. time. Yeah, 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 I think so. <laughs> I think so. I believe so. Well, I fuck with that Evergreen project on the regular, so um, that's definitely a good sign, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely appreciate that. I got more on the way, too. Oh, yeah, I definitely can't wait for that, too. Um, I'm curious, too. Was Open House the first tape that you and Anakin ever put out together? So that was the first Mutant Academy album. Because that at the time, it was only me and Anakin. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. at the time, that was 2014, if I have my facts straight. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, 2014. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have to play around with the different album covers too? Because that's a lot of things that grabs me to make me want to listen to it now. Because you guys have a lot of crazy looking covers that I'm like, yo, like Kahuna's, the Evergreen, the Concept, uh, the Chapel Drive. But like the one that like made me is like, and it was, I didn't know it was the first tape y'all put out together, but uh, the Open House. Like, did you guys have to play around with different ideas with that too? Because you guys were on that early because. 2014, like, people weren't doing that kind of artwork back then for music back then. Like, like the way that you guys stylized yeah. that. Yeah, um, I think that's just, you know, like I said, um, uh, pardon me, uh, excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold, so I gotta catch my breath. Oh, no worries. But, um, as far as the album cover... Um, Anakin and I, we talked about it, and mind you, the name was Mutant Academy, so we're still trying to stay true to the concept, and I told him what I thought, and then I was like, yo, we just have like a, we have like a crazy looking house just sitting on a hill, and we just make it look like, yo, this is, this is us right here, this is the house, this is how we picture it, and he was like, yo, what if it's on a hill that's like melting, like it's almost like a wax candle, I'm like, yo, that's fire, and I was like, it's gotta look it's got to almost look twisted. Like, it's got to look crazy, almost like that uh, scene in Beavis and Butthead where they were in the um, desert and they were hallucinating. Oh, yeah, like, I remember yeah, that. Let's make... Yeah, he was like, yeah, let's make the sky pink. And I was like, cool, let's do it. So we talked about the idea, and then the next thing was just finding the artist. So my man Chris P, 
who went to school, the same college, ironically, that I went to with my older brother, Great Scott. And he was he went to school for graphic design. I just kept in touch with him, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he gave me a, a righteous price for the artwork. Um, and we got it done. Um, I think the inspiration for album covers, it comes from all of our backgrounds, just our upbringing, you know what I mean? Like, Kahuna and I, we link um, not only because of music, we also love anime and we love video games, you know what I mean? Just like little small hobbies or whatever have you. And I love sneakers and we all love sneakers in our own way or whatever have you. So it's just a combination of all those things that drives the artwork. So you might see something that may seem like it derives from like anime or you may see something that derives from like, I don't know, philosophy or just plain just loving art, period. Or just, you know, maybe inspired by another piece of art. Like I always said that I would have loved to have done my own version of the Iron Man cover. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, that's one of the best covers ever because it's, it's simplistic, but it's also fly because you think about it like before Wu-Tang, like Wallabies was just a casual shoe. You know what I mean? And they were in like a Wallaby factory. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the way that they did that cover too, it gave a whole new meaning to it. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just, you know what I mean? Just being inspired by a little bit of everything, bro. Like, it, 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 I don't think it's I don't think it's really any definitive rhyme or reason to it that says like oh this is what caused me to do this this is what caused me to do that it's all about how you feeling at the time and if it sticks with you then if then we assume that it's right you know what I mean? Who's uh, the nicest at Smash Bros at Newton Academy? <laughs> Yo, don't even <laughs> let me lie to you, bro. <laughs> like, cause when it comes to Smash, I didn't grow up with the Nintendo consoles, like I had handhelds. So Smash was something that I, I would play if I had a friend who had it, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I would say the one that I that I know of is probably going to be between Kahuna, uh, Unlucky Bastards, um, Cam, our manager, and I want to say, yeah, best friend. Those are the four that I've seen playing, but I can't say who's like the nicest because I've only seen them play against each other, you know what I'm saying? Like me, I'm, I'm I'm Dragon Ball Fighters. You know what I'm saying? I play that. I play Street Fighter. You know what I mean? But as far as I know, I, I don't know who the best is, but you let them tell it. Each one of them going to say it themselves, though. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I definitely had a good conversation for Kahuna about Smash Bros. Um, could you say that? <laughs> yeah, shout out to Smash. Yeah, shout out to Smash and Kahuna. Um, I'm curious, too. Right. Because uh, you said... um. You and Kahuna like anime and video games. I fuck with both. Uh, I mm -hmm. love Death Note. Um, I'm curious too. What's your favorite Super Nintendo? I mean, so what's your favorite video game like series ever? Street Fighter. Okay, how'd you like Street Fighter Five? I think it. I think it was dope. I think that the problem with uh, with Street Fighter and the entire series, because again, I follow it not just as the video game, but as the anime. Yeah, it's two different universes, and it's been a whole lot of different um, hands in that pot to where now the stories are starting to kind of merge. And I don't think that they're making it clear. Like there's some people, unlike myself, who really don't know where Street Fighter is going. But me, I I know the Alpha, and I know the Alpha series, and I know the regular series, so I see what they're doing. So I think it's a great game if you have somebody to play with, but for me, after I beat the story, I wasn't really too much impressed with it, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's like, what's with this online currency to get new characters? Can I just beat the boss and just get them? 
Yeah, and I mean, it's certain games that that'll be like that'll be like that, and then there's other games like to me, Dragon Ball Z Fighters, where I would uh, I'll spend the money on the extra characters because it's a game that's very very competitive. It, it's continuously growing. You didn't get Dragon Ball Z and get like five or six characters, and then they just started building on top of that, charging you crazy money. They gave you a lot to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, did you ever play Xenoverse before Fighters? Because I fucked with Xenoverse heavy. Xenoverse was dope, but I was more like, when it comes to Dragon Ball Z, it's either going to be one or two ways with me. I'm going to like the Budokai, or I'm going to like the Dragon Ball Z Fighters. Like, that's out right now with the 2D yeah. Unreal Engine or whatever I have. You know what I mean? Like, the Xenoverse was cool, but I didn't like the fact that you could, like, it seemed like you were all over the place. I don't like open-world fighting games. Like, to me, that's just too much. Yeah. Like, it almost feels like you're trying to, it almost feels like you're trying to have Grand Theft Auto with superpowers. Like, it seems like a cool <laughs> concept, but it's just too much. For me, it's too much to keep up with. I thought I was the only one who thought like that, but yeah, that's facts right there. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, I just want to I mean, fight. they always look good, though. I'll give them that. Like, they look good. Oh, yeah. It's got to look good for it to be able to sell. You can't just be like a no man's sky and just sell that shit out the first day. I hated that shit. Right, right. <laughs> Most definitely. Because um, you understand artwork. Um, your cover for Vibrations is very unique, too. I'm curious, too. Is that um, a picture you took and just added to it? Or is there a meaning behind that cover? You're talking about vibrations, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, vibrations. That picture, that was my granddad who passed away. That was his, uh, it was like a little um, shed where he kept chickens. You know what I'm saying? Like my mom's side of the family, they had a farm. You know what I'm saying? My mom was from uh, the countryside of Virginia, uh, Buckingham County. And he kept his chickens in that, in that shed. And, um... You know, he, he raised chickens, he had cows, he had horses, he would hunt, you know what I mean? I learned how to shoot guns because of my granddad and my mom. I learned, you know, just, you know, the basic, 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 basic things about family and tradition and, and foundation through them. And um, Carry On, my first project under my name, Henny Lowe, um, and Vibrations, they both had something to do with my grandparents because I lost them not too far apart from each other. So um, carry on, if you notice the spelling of it, it was spelled like C-A-R-R-I-E. That's my grandmother's first name. And Vibrations, I had the picture of my granddad's uh, shed because it just looked crazy to me. I love I love nature to a degree. So it looked crazy to me at that time where it's like the trees are like hanging low. It's sunny out, but you could just turn that picture into anything. And I was thinking about my granddad. So I put the roses around it and... um. And just, you know, add, added, like, told my man, Concept Rich, to add, like, some crazy sketches or whatever have you, just to make it seem happy, but also keep the, the authentic feel to where it, it's uh, it's a therapeutic thing. So both of those projects, um, the artwork came from just a super therapeutic place. So where, for me, Vibrations, I think Vibrations album-wise, up until I finish this album that I'm doing right now, is, uh, is definitely one of my favorite works because I think I found a happy medium to turn everything that I was going through to seem like I was having fun. Like, I was almost embracing the pain, you know what I'm saying? Whereas Carry On, it was more reflective. But Vibrations was more me embracing the pain and uh, and being cool with being wrong at times, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, because like sometimes when you're going through something, like it can turn out to be some of your brightest moments later in life. Yeah, most definitely. I still, I still love vibrations. I'm at a point now because I've gotten so much better that I can kind of now see where like, oh, I would have did this differently. But for the longest, vibrations just and still, that's still like my baby. You know what I mean? Like I think Carry On. If I can compare it to a catalog, I would say that. Um, Carry on was was more like my Iron Man, my more soulful, reflective, and and conscious speaking. And vibrations was a little was a little bit closer to Supreme Clientele. I haven't made anything uh, Supreme Clientele uh, in that vein yet, but you know what I mean. Like I, I always compare my work to like the the albums of like my favorite artists. So I definitely think that I made my closest version to an Iron Man that I could possibly make. And I think Vibrations was, like, me just, like, coming into my own. I think, honestly, I think I really, uh, I'm not going to say I changed the game, but I think I really brought to the forefront that, yo, this whole music thing, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just about having hook, verse, hook, bridge, verse, and then maybe a third verse and stuff like that. Like, I really was displaying, like, nah, Mutant Academy, you're going to get a song from us, but the song might only be one minute to where we'll rap and then we'll give you a hook and then that'll be it over like a quick little uh, loop. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I had a couple songs like that or I would have a song that's like two minutes because it will have the 16 hook and then I might give you an eight hook and then it's over. Or I might do something like write a 32 and then give you a hook, then do a 16 and do a hook and just structure my songs however I felt like. That's why I say it's not quite supreme clientele, like, but it's just the 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 formlessness of it. Like, we don't need a traditional way to do music. Music just needs to be music. You know what I'm saying? I, and that's actually how, how ironic you brought that up, too, because I was going to ask you why you made some of the songs so short, too, but you kind of just answered that question, though, without even me asking you that. Yeah, I mean, it's just not... It's just about your structure needs to be structureless. You know what I'm saying? Just do what feels right. And then also the way I learned how to actually write and structure songs came from uh, getting producers beat tapes, like their albums. So like Madlib Beat Conductor or Jay Dilla Donuts or MF Doom Special Herb Series, a lot of those beats were short because of course, you know what I'm saying? That's just the loop that they put together and they put it out there and they don't want a hundred million MCs rapping on it. It's still an album at the end of the day. So I learned like, oh, okay, this is 16 bars and then this switch up here is where the hook would go. And that's how I learned how to structure music. So when I learned that, I wouldn't go and try to loop that beat and, and especially knowing that I don't know this artist and I can't sell this work. You know what I mean? I would just rap to the original beat. Until I started getting my own, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because um, I just want to share. So I, I learned how to write music to shorter beats. Oh, really? Just because of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I learned. That's how, that's not how I learned how to write music. That's how I learned how to structure a song. Oh, okay. And because, like, you obviously understand the importance of song structure too, because, like, you do in your career want to make something like a supreme clientele. Yeah, like, to me, like, to me, it's like this, man. Like, it's all about the balance. So you will get an album, and I'm going to keep referencing Supreme Clientele as long as I live. Like, you'll get an album like Supreme Clientele where you'll have a verse, hook, verse, hook, bridge, and then maybe another four to six or maybe an eight-bar verse before.
the song ends or have some singing or have some trash talking or whatever have you. You know what I mean? But then you might have a joint where you might have like six or seven people literally just rhyming to a break, a break loop. And that'll be a song for three, four minutes, whatever. I mean, I think as an artist, you know what I mean? You got to strive to do everything that uh, that you that you like, you know what I mean? So if I'm going to step away from Ghostface for a moment, I'll say that one of the artists that I look up to who does somewhat of a traditional song structure but still has his own way of doing it is Kendrick Lamar. Like, to me, he's, like, as far as my generation goes, because he's not that much older than me, I want to say Kendrick Lamar just turned 30. He's only got me about a few years. Like, as far as my generation goes, I think he's, like, the best. Because though I, I acknowledge Jay-Z as, like, a GOAT and Nas as a GOAT, I, I didn't grow up listening to them. I had to be put on to them. Nobody had to put me on to Kendrick Lamar, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you found him on your own. Exactly. Um, and Like, here's the thing, lad, that's very inspiring to me, too, because... <clears throat> For years, I've been early on a lot of people. Like, before Slaughterhouse signed to Shady, I was on to them. Before Odd Future got as big as they were, I was on to them. Before, like, yeah. even, like, put, even like Big Sean, like, as big as he is now. So, when I hear people like Mutant Academy, I'm like, yo, these dudes next. These dudes next right here. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, yeah. too. Um, are you guys trying to market yourselves as an international artists? Or you guys just want to, like, put Richmond on the map for the United States first? Because I'm pretty sure you guys have people hitting you up from different parts of the world, like, overseas. Um, I don't think that we're opposed to either one of them, you know what I'm saying? Like, of course we want to put Richmond on it. We want to share light on Richmond. That's always a goal. I think as far as, like, getting international, I think that's any artist's dream, you know what I mean? I think it's how you do it is more like it's more so a question that I would probably have to take some time and really think on. You know what I'm saying? I think both of those are, are necessary as an artist, unless you're just trying to, you know, do it for fun. You could do that in your mom's basement or or your bedroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you well, and then too, like you'd be surprised how much people just want to stay in the United States. It's like, don't you want to travel with your music? Like, don't you want to break the yeah, language barrier? Definitely. But see, you guys, you guys understand the power of breaking the language barrier. Yeah. Um. What is? Yeah, I mean, I've never been to Canada, but I always wanted to go. My brother used to tell me stories about Canada, but from when he was living in New York or living in Montana when he was in the military. So yeah, I definitely like. You know, I definitely want to come out there. I want to go everywhere. You know, what I'm saying that I'm allowed to go. Yeah, well, when I talked to Kahuna, he said the weather ain't that much different from uh, Richmond. The weather's fucked out here. Yeah, nah, I mean, as far as Richmond, man, it's bipolar, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it was nice outside today, but it was 60 degrees, and then as soon as the sun went down, it felt like wintertime, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get, we would, we're subject to get snow in March, you feel me? Like, it could, it could be wild, but the summers for me, summers are brutal. Because um, I don't have the same allergic reaction that everybody else has. Like, I don't get, like, like a bunch of, like, sneezes and coughs and my face getting puffy. I get headaches. And then when I step outside during the summertime, I'm already annoyed because it's super hot. And I, I sweat a lot. 
but the sun bothers my eyes. Like, I don't have bad eyesight, but my eyes are very sensitive to light. Not like half so bad, but they're very sensitive. Yeah. Um, and then, like how you said, like how summertime's in Richmond too. Um, do you guys have like a carnival that, like, that does music every year that you guys perform at? Um, something that happens every year. Um, I mean, we've never performed at it, but we have Stone So, which I gotten a chance to see. Uh, I gotten a chance to see uh, the clips in Pharrell when Mister Me Too came out. Uh, Stone Soul is, is, I don't even think that that's something that necessarily we would go to because Stone Soul is, you know, you bring out big artists, you bring out old school artists, and you just have a good time. You got food, you got expensive food and good times. Um, we never really tried to get on anything like that because that's more so like, you know what I mean, a big radio thing. Not that we can't do it. It's just that, you know, it's just, it's not something we naturally strive for. Um, we have this thing in Richmond that went away for a while that has come back um, called First Fridays, where every first Friday of the month, you know, they shut down a part of downtown, and, you know, restaurants will stay open, they'll have food trucks, and they'll have all kinds of music, you know, you got your vendors out there and shit like that, um, that'll come through, and we haven't performed at it, but again, it's one of those things to where we don't really chase it, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we just make music, and, you know, if you invite us to a show, if the uh, situation is, is lucrative, if the, if the money is lucrative, then we there, you know what I'm saying? As far as, like, as far as shows and as far as experiences, we don't really got any picks when it comes to a situation like that because we, we want to do it all as long as it's right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you guys... Uh, we've, we've, done, uh, we've done Epic Fest, which was a big thing at, at one point um, for a lot of people as far as getting their uh, this stuff off the ground. We've done that. Uh, flag on the moon by uh, AGM. I guess yeah. As a matter of fact, it comes around once a year. So Epic Fest was big. Flag on the moon has always been big and continues to get even bigger. So I would say those two are, are something I could say we've done. You know what I'm saying? What's your favorite song to perform, Henning Low? My favorite song to perform, uh, ESH Green off my Emergency Raps. Volume 2 for the people who want to go check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emergency Raps Volume 2. Check out all of them, man. One through four, definitely. Um, I would say ESH Green is my favorite song to perform solo. My favorite song to perform with the team. Probably it's this joint that we do called Liquid Coat. Say again. So I may have to go back and re-listen to that one. Yeah, I don't even think Liquid Coke is out yet. We just literally perform it, and one it just came from saying, "Yo, we should perform this tonight." We were just so hyped that we made it, and it just came out the way it came out. And we performed it one night, and now it's one of those things that we perform all the time. So until it comes out, if you get to see us do that track, then you know what I'm saying it's an experience. We have a lot of fun doing it. The beat is real hype, but we just, we getting real busy, real bar heavy. You know what I mean? Do you guys I like to, do you guys like to interact with the crowd a lot too in between songs? Um, within reason. Like, we'll throw a joke out there. We'll promote projects. 
um, it, it's more so of a tactic, like, you know, just in case the DJ may need a minute to pull up the next song or something happens, or if we're waiting for our set to be loaded up or whatever I have it. So we interact with the crowd, but we try not to go too hard because, I mean, you ain't come to a comedy show. You ain't come to somebody giving a speech, you know what I mean? We came here to, to get some music and get some vibes, you know what I mean? Yeah, get some bars off and good vibe. Right, 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 exactly. Um, I'm curious, what was the inspiration behind your Evergreen project? Um, it had been a while since I released the project, because um, Emergency Raps, though, I was the, the artist on it, the main artist, you know what I'm saying? Emergency Raps is Twami's thing. That's his baby, you know what I mean? So before that, my last project was Vibrations, and I'm working on the album right now, but I just needed to uh, release something and, and do something that was more than just a single, more than just a video. So I, I have a lot of beats in my stash from Sid that I go back to, and some of them I'll just listen to because it's like, yo, this is too good to even rap on. It just sounds like a good beat. And then there's other beats where it's like, yo, why haven't I written to this yet? Let me go ahead and do it. And I just woke up one morning and I made a post on like Facebook and on uh, Instagram and on uh, Twitter. Like, yo, should I drop a song today? And people were like, yeah, do that, do that, do that. And then some people were like, hell no, do an EP. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to write music today. And I'm going to go record at Michael Millions' house. Uh, Shouts out to Michael Millions. That's the big bro. I recorded at his house. Got it mixed, mastered. So I wrote, recorded, got mixed, got mastered, and got artwork all done in the same day. I wanted to see if I could do it. And it was received well. So now I'm going to turn it into a little EP series. Like the next one, um, I'm going to call it Stopping. And the um, inspiration behind the names are, these are um, streets that I, uh, surround my neighborhood that I grew up in. So Evergreen is the street that I grew up on. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, like I said, every, mm-hmm. every title has a meaning behind it. Yep, definitely. You did that in a day? Holy shit, I never knew that. Wow. Yeah, only one of those songs were pre-written. Um, and that was the song uh, Handy Loafers I was going to say that's my favorite track off that album oh EP sorry nice nah, no doubt album EP however, however you receive it man artists artist all about uh, perception it's all good yeah it's very true it's all about how you receive it too what made you want to add that kind of cover to Evergreen instead of just like having like you post by the street corner too because like you said you're very you like nature you said yeah um when i explained the concept to cam because he's who did the artwork my manager he he's not just my manager he also designs our merch he also can do covers like he's a he's an artist you know what i mean he just happens to be our manager and he's our friend you know what i'm saying so just throwing that out there but when I explained to him what I was doing and what I wanted to name it, he, he's he been to my neighborhood. He's met my mom. He's been around my neighborhood in my way and shit like that. So he just, he, he put his own little twist on it because my neighborhood looks like a forest, which is why you have names like Evergreen as a street name. You have Greystone, you have Stockton, you have Bedrock, you have Pebble Street because it, it's like a forest surrounded by trees. And, I mean, before the houses and the homes were there, I'm pretty sure it was just trees. Damn, Richmond sounds like a good place to live, man. I might have to come down and check it out, though, man. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely gotten better. You know what I mean? It was it was one point where my moms were saying, you better not leave the block. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, Richmond used to be crazy, bro. You know, as far as, uh, as far as, um, and, and this isn't me bragging again, this is just, you know, stating facts. Yeah. Richmond was called Cat City at one point, not just because it was the capital of Virginia, but because there were a lot of murders. And I mean, they used to call it the murder cap. Um, they called it Fish City a lot of, um, for, for several reasons, you know what I'm saying? That we can, we could talk about, at, you know, at any point or whatever have you. Like, Richmond definitely was crazy, cause I mean, you gotta think about it. We're two hours from DC. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you guys are actually up Yeah, in the late 80s and the early 90s, and throughout the 90s to the early 2000s, up until the internet, really, bro. Like, it was a lot going on out in the streets, man. Like, that's why I say it's a lot of things that I've seen, a lot of people that I've known that came and went like a season. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's why, you know, music has always kept me kept me straight. So that's why, you know, going back to what you said earlier about staying true to yourself, like, I, I could definitely say I was blessed to the point to where I didn't have to um, sell drugs because I wanted to get sneakers. I didn't have to go and rob somebody or I didn't have to um to shoot at people or do anything to get ahead or to protect myself you know what I mean of course I was raised to protect myself I was raised a certain way when it comes to street shit but I didn't have to do it you know what I'm saying yeah but I was blessed in that way so when it comes to Richmond we know a little bit about a lot, bro. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to when it comes to violence. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure it's like that. Like Richmond is no different than anywhere else, dog. Like I go to when I go to New York, and I'm in Brooklyn. Brooklyn re- reminds me of my part, my side of town from Richmond. I'm from the south side of Richmond because it's a lot of hard work and humble people that's just minding their business. Then you got the west end of Richmond, which reminds me of Harlem. It's real flashy. A lot of people that's trying to get money. Then you got the Bronx which is just unpredictable and just wild and crazy. That reminds me of the north side. Then you got the east end, which to me reminds me of Queens. You got people that's getting money, but you got a lot of people that's just, you know, that's just doing a little bit of everything, you know what I'm saying? So to me, Richmond is a very small version of New York, you know what I'm saying? And and I don't mean that to say that, like, we birth a lot of things. I don't want to discredit New York in any way, but yeah. Richmond just has its own walk and its own beat. You know what I'm saying? That's And I brought that up to say that it's probably like that in Canada. I'm pretty sure certain places in Canada where you probably grow up and they were one way and you probably didn't go there. And now it's probably okay to go there at certain points of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like Richmond is just like everywhere else, man. We just have our own way of doing things. Like, I mean, a prime example of that, as far as R&B goes, like D'Angelo, he created his own genre of R&B, which was Neo Soul. You know what I mean? Richmond is his own beat. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting D'Angelo. Shit. Yeah. That's some of the classics right there. He's not actually on um, <clears throat> Snoop Dogg's album, too. Uh, Blue Carpet Treatment, too. Um, but, like, with you saying, too, about, like, Richmond, you know, kind of, it's just like everywhere else, too. Um... Is there one place in Richmond that you always go to that's particularly Larry, your favorite spot? Um, it used to be. It was a uh, Carytown. Um, I used to love going to Carytown because I'm originally from the South Side. But going to Carytown, that's where uh, that's where I had a lot of fun at. That's why I was getting real inspired at. 
fashion-wise, you know what I'm saying? Because every every young kid wants to have the latest clothes, latest sneakers, whatever, whatever, whatever. Me, I always would strive to be different from my sneakers to the way that I talk, the way that I dress, the type of people I hung around with. I could be cool with anybody. So um, I love going to Carytown because it was different food. It was a mixture of people. You had the skateboard shop, so I can go get some Nike SBs. I can go and get some Vans. I can go get a graphic tee from like from a place called Hospitality because they had Diamond Supply and Stussy and House 33, all the shit that wasn't hot at one point that I was on to. And, you know, going to get a pair of Buttonfly 501 Levi's, I could get all that shit in Carytown. And um, Carytown is still dope. I still have nostalgic memories about it. But a lot of those places are gone now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just, it's it's just, just about it's, having it's, the memory. It's big on food, though. Oh, I said the last part again? I was saying it's big on food. There's still some real good food out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like, um, it's just certain places, like how you said, Carytown just always brings back nostalgic memories to you. So that's good, like how some of those memories still inspire you. Yeah, most definitely. I had a... Uh, I had a lot of experiences in Carytown, right? Definitely. Um, and this is a question too that I ask all my guests too, and it's at the end of every episode too. But the reason why I ask this question is because nobody can really give give the same answer. So I'm curious on what Henning Lowe would say to this. Uh huh. Do you have any words for somebody in a dark place trying to see the light? somebody in a dark place trying to see the light um I would say that the worst thing you could do is run away from it you know what I'm saying embrace it acknowledge it um stick to your loved ones and um I haven't done it myself yet but I definitely think that therapy is a good way to go for me, it's always putting God first, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm always firm in, in that. I should have actually said that first. But God first, stick to your loved ones, embrace what's going on, acknowledge what's going on. Um, don't be too cool to feel anything. Don't be a dickhead, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody has feelings, we're human. Um, embrace it, go through it, man, and, and, and just see it through. Because at the end of the day, it's going to shape you into, a, into the person that you're supposed to be. Um, my brother always tell me, tells me the obstacle is the way. It makes so much more sense when you think about the fact that you're going through something. You had to go through whatever it is that you went through in order to be who you're supposed to be because it was already written. So you, you definitely just got to go through it, man. Everybody has to have their own uh, strife and their own trial and tribulation. So that's what I would say to that. That's a very good answer. I don't think, uh, like how you said, acknowledge and embrace it too. No one ever said that. That's what I mean. Like that's everyone has their own unique way of answering that question. Definitely. Um, I do really do appreciate your time taking the time out today, Henny Low, to do this interview. Um, I consider this probably one of my oh, best, definitely. probably one of my best interviews. Um, because I actually. <laughs> I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it because you got great energy. I acknowledge that. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug in before I let you go? Um, shouts out to all my mutant brothers, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, shouts out to Kahuna, Anakin, Sid, Kiana, Cam, Foyzy, Ewan, Twami, Obliv, 
You know what I'm saying? Not not official music academy, but just, you know what I mean? We working on an album together and all of that. Um, uh, I mean, I, I hope I ain't miss anybody in the team. Shouts out to Richmond. Shouts out to AGM. Um, shouts out uh, Best Friend. He's a part of Mutant Academy. My bad, bro. He did the Emergency Raps cover. Um, go check out the entire Emergency Raps series. Go get the Big Fly series. Go get Ever Evergreen. Go and get uh, the merch, MutantWorldwide.com, MutantAcademyWorldwide.com. Um, follow all of us on Twitter. Um, I'm not about to give out everybody's Twitter names. Follow us on Instagram, you know what I'm saying? Um, Shouts out to Richmond, you know what I mean? Shouts out to the entire Virginia. And um, be on the lookout for my album with Obliv. Um, I'm not releasing the title just yet, but um, be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for more EPs. Um, Just go get everything, man. Like I said, everybody's dropping, everybody's flooding. Everybody's doing their thing, and we got some new things in the future. You know what I'm saying? Just stay in tune with us. Like you said, y'all won't be disappointed, yo, because I won't steer y'all in the wrong direction. These guys are absolutely fire. Definitely appreciate that, bro. And I'm glad that we uh, finally got the time, man. I know the schedule's been crazy from the time zone to the work schedule, man. I appreciate you being patient with me. Hey, man, I understand we all got our own individual lives, man, so no worries, my guy. And like I said, um... You're more than welcome to come back anytime to promote what you want to promote, sir. Definitely. Appreciate you, dude. I appreciate you, too. With that being said, it's another classic interview. I know I say classics a lot, but I really do be dropping classics. Um, From the Desk of Low, featuring my guy, Henny Lowe.